Sarah, I hear you didn't even know that Murph was a thing at the CrossFit box. <laughs> you still can't say that without me laughing. Um, no, I didn't know. So I showed up on Memorial Day, which is not a holiday here in Canada because we celebrate. What? You don't celebrate American soldiers in Canada? I know. Shocking. But I got to the CrossFit gym on Monday and we were doing this big wad, hero wad called Murph which is named after Michael Murphy, I guess, who was killed in Afghanistan in 2005. And okay, to do the whole workout, I mean, you know, but for our audience, to do the whole workout, you would wear, the women would wear a 14 pound vest and you would do a mile run, a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups and 300 air squats. And then you'd run another mile. And I don't know if this is normal. We had 55 minutes in which to complete it. And did you complete it? Well, not as I just described, but (laughs) you did the modified, I did a extremely modified version. So on the pull-ups, I had like a big, like elastic band that you put around your right. right. And then I did like push-ups from my knees, which I think I've said before on this podcast that previously I used to rage against that. Like I was never doing the push-ups from knees. Like I always had to do full push-ups no matter what. But like when you see 200 of them on the board, just like, um, Maybe I'll do them from my knees. So I did push-ups on my knees in sets of like five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and then 15 air squats, and then that 20 times. So And okay, so I did one like that before. I've never done Murph. I like always avoid the holiday workouts at the box. But I did Cindy, I think, before, which is kind of the same variation where you do with a variation, whatever, but it's push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and it adds up to like a hundred or two hundred. And I definitely, at the end, my push-ups, I was just like falling face first on the ground and then like pushing myself off the ground because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. And I got on my bike after to ride home and couldn't hold up my, my arms, wouldn't hold me up on my handlebars. And I started like crashing and I had to call someone to come get me because I couldn't ride my bike home because my arms hurt too much. Oh my gosh. I totally believe that after. Yeah, that was, it was one of the hardest workouts that certainly I've ever done. But I was like really proud of myself. Like it was fun to be in an environment where I was pushing myself hard enough again that I did something I wasn't sure I could do to start. So it's been a while since I've been in that situation. So that was super fun. You do, you have heard about CrossFit and people pushing themselves so hard they have kidney failure, right? That this is like a thing. I guess I read about that the other day. Um, okay. Don't I don't do know. That. I think it was in a link you sent me actually. But yeah, I think if I start peeing myself, oh no, it was because of our pelvic floor episode. On, mm. on the Iron Women podcast, um, Megan Hotman, the cyclist lawyer, she was talking about how in CrossFit that it's considered like a point of pride if you push so hard that you piss yourself. And, I, and I'm like, mm, that's not a great idea. Yeah, well, that happens to me sometimes running too, so it's fine. Whatever. You need to work on your pelvic floor, Kelly. <laughs> Coming up on the show, female birth rates are declining in the U.S. Doping? Is everyone doing it? Iron Man is buying a ton of races. What do we think about that? We have a voicemail from a listener and then possibly a new segment. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code RIDING at Ass Kicker Inc., Inc. with a K, 
Com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So this week... uh the news came out that the birth rate in the U.S. has fallen again. It started falling like back during the recession in like 2008, but this has been like another year, like steeply declined, like in the last two years. And people are really, really concerned. And I put this in the newsletter at the bottom in all the links that people can't figure out all these like demographic experts, which apparently is a job, can't figure out why, like why aren't women having children? Because it's like really common to not have kids or for the birth rate to go down when the economy's bad because you like can't afford it. But supposedly ours has gotten better. So they can't figure out like why women still don't want to have kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you have some thoughts about that. So, some thoughts. So, seriously, the article though didn't suggest any, like they're actually like scratching their heads. No, going, why? Yeah, they, yeah, they're scratching their heads. They're like, yeah, the theory has been put out there that, you know, there women are postponing marriage, you know, that like this, th- that is true, right? Like women are having kids later. They're having jobs. Like feminism is destroying America, right? Like all that <laughs> stuff. Right. But it's also like it may just be a little blip and it may go back. Like women might start having kids, like a ton of kids again. We don't know yet. They literally are, there literally is a quote that's like, it's one of the big demographic mysteries of recent times. (laughs) Wow. So obviously I read this story and my immediate reaction was like, I have some ideas why this might be the case. And then of course, like all the feminists, what's the word, like academics and writers out there, like had the same reaction and wrote much more eloquent articles. Right. Than my th- and, the, and all of them were like, maybe it's because it's kind of terrible to have kids in the U.S. right now. Like we've made it really shitty. Like women die at super high rates in birth. Like we don't have maternity leave at like crazy rates. And that's like a really easy thing to be like, oh yeah, whatever. Maternity leave is not that big a deal. But like, that's terrible because that mm. means you're going to have to like, quit like... Hope your job gives you time off or take a leave of absence from your job or like a grow like what is it? It's like 36% of the workforce is contract now. So you just don't like if I had a kid, I'd be screwed. I'm a contract employee. Like I just wouldn't make money for a while and I wouldn't have health. Right. That sucks. And then we know all this stuff about like the pay gap widens after you have kids and you go back. And I think there's like an increasing awareness at least when I like anecdotally, my experience with my friends matches these statistics that everybody's like, eh, like, it, like it's going to suck. Like we all know now we're not like lying to ourselves that it's going to be like equal and everything's going to be great. And we're just going to, you know, go out into the solve all of society's problems in our own personal like relationships. Like we're not right. Right. All those societal implications that are the reasons women end up staying home with the baby and the, and the dad all, or the reasons they make less money or the reasons like there are expectations on them to do double duty at home and in the office. All those societal reasons are 
still going to be there, whether or not like you personally want to fix them. So everyone I know is like, eh, like yeah, eh. well, I can see how we're definitely historically, we're kind of between the times, right? So right. we've, women have come a long way. We have certainly a lot more choices in terms of our careers, which is great. Uh, but at the same time, we have the hangover, like the hangover from the sixties and before where, you know, we were expected to stay home. All those expectations about house cleaning and childcare and all the rest of it are still kind of hanging on, especially in certain parts of the country. Right. And we're also, because of the internet, we're also all educated on this. So we no longer believe this myth that like kids are going to fill some kind of void in our life and we're going to be less than without them. We kind of recognize that that isn't strictly true either. I would say that pretty much felt like that sums up the problem. Like we are aware of the issues and the challenges, but we haven't like fixed them yet. Right. It's like the, like, you know how bad it could be. You know what the other options are. Yeah. And you don't like, but there's no like, and and there's no like the next step needs to be like, and so we've resolved all those problems for women and they can do whatever they want. We haven't like got into that stuff yet. Yeah. We haven't (laughs) sort of, yeah, we haven't gone to the next, like we need another couple generations to go by to get to that. Apparently uh, the birth rate is so bad in Japan that it's like actually causing population decline and like big issues which oh. has not been a problem in the u.s because we still have like immigrations replacing the birth rate and so it's been so bad that japan has actually instituted like state-backed like i don't know what the right word like women policies to like try like and they have like state campaigns to be like women can do both like like support women oh. like yeah, they're trying to like like hey feminism bring it like let's do it like you it's can do funny. everything you can do it and they're like trying to encourage employers to like not discriminate against mothers and like that kind of thing. Yeah. So. I'm kind of curious to see where we go next. I, I mean, as a society, because sometimes you get, when you start to gain too many freedoms, wh- whoever, whoever the demographic is that gains the freedoms in this case, women, sometimes there's a step back before there's a step. Really? Forward. Really? Is there, so, are you explaining that to me? Like right now in the U S currently? Explaining it, yeah. Just explaining <laughs> it to everyone. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll be able to move this thing forward. Yeah. So the other big topic I wrote about in the newsletter this week was doping. Mm-hmm. Is everyone doing it, Sarah? Is everyone doing it? Should we, like, should we do it too? That's what it just, sounds like. Just, just I, I tend to, you know, I'm definitely that this is more the way that I'm wired rather than an intellectual belief, but I'm always kind of a little bit optimistic. So I tend to think things are good. Like if I don't have any proof that someone's doping, then I don't think they are. So like good performance, for example, or an outlier performance is not enough for me to go, oh yeah, they have to be doping. You know, I'm, it's going to take a lot more than that to convince me. So on the whole, I tend to think that we still have quite a lot of clean athletes. And I definitely think in triathlon that we can still win clean. I think you can still win clean for sure. I def- Okay. So I am suspicious as fuck. And I definitely have sat around with people and done the like, oh, who do you think's doping conversation? So it's not that I don't think there are, there are definitely some people that are not that you would like, not that there's proof, not that you'd like publish, like just that, you know, you're kind of like, eh, here are my reasons why I think this, but I don't think it's everybody in triathlon. I also don't think it's everybody even in like cycling or running. I do think it's everybody in the NFL, but that's because it's legal. So whatever. But I think it's dangerous when we start to think it's everybody Mm -hmm. because it's a pretty short jump from, oh, everyone's doing it to like, I might as well. And I think a lot of times one actually begets the other. Like, I think actually cycling, everyone thought everybody else was doing it. And then they started, and I don't know that they actually all were yet. Like when you look at, when you look back at the stats from the EPO era, which like was bad, 
I think people's perception was even worse than the actual reality. And then that begat more doping, which begat, you know what I mean? And it becomes, becomes a vicious, vicious cycle. And now the cycling is really struggling to get out of that cycle. Yeah, for sure. But we have some solutions. Well, I don't know that they're solutions, but I feel like if you believe, like you think they're solutions. Well, okay. So doping, you can either attack it from the like penalizing the people who have done it. Right. Which I can never get right. If that's the supply or the demand, but you're like, it's like the arresting the drug users technique. Right. Or you can like shut down from the other end and stop people from doing it in the first place. Right. Okay. And we tend to focus on the like just penalizing more heavier testing, ban them for life, which I'm like, that's like, well, I'm not totally on board with ban them for life, but like, that's all fine. Like, okay. But I think if you skip the like front end, then you're missing a big step. So like, in my opinion, what we need on the, is on, like, on the front end, building up more faith in the system so that people believe they can win clean, that people believe like they understand how the system works, that it's working for them, that like it, it works for clean athletes. And like we've talked about, you and I have talked about this before, and maybe that just means more transparency. Maybe it means like every, every pro athlete has to go through like an education on like how the doping system in their country works, like when they sign up. So they understand it. And that like, you know, they have faith in it. Maybe it means like listing all the TUEs in a public database so that we like know so that they're well, one that would crack down on therapeutic use exemptions, mm. but two, it would make us believe in them. Like we would have, it would be clear. It would be transparent. Maybe it means like publishing all of the tests that have been negative. So we can see like, oh wow, like they are testing a lot. Like, like there's, there's all kinds of ways to do this. I think that get at the, like the faith in the system. Cause when athletes lose faith in the system, I think is when it starts to erode. Yeah. Have you seen this clean protocol.org? No. Well, you told me that you went through this, but I've never heard of it. So a couple of years ago, they came to Kona and they were doing, I don't know, they were doing some beta testing, I guess, to see if their system worked. And so we did, we went through, like I went, I volunteered. So basically what it is, is it's a way to certify clean athletes. So instead of, it's the opposite approach, kind of along the lines of what you said, but probably one step further of like, instead of trying to catch the dopers, you certified all the clean people. And again, that would help with your transparency piece in terms of if lots of people put up their hands and say, we're clean and can prove it, then other people around start to see that you can continue how, to believe. And how do they, and how do they prove it? Okay. So what I did. Do you I get did, like a stamp of a, like a stamp when you're all yeah, done? Yeah, I got like, like a certificate that I'm a clean <laughs> athlete. Okay. So you basically, okay, you have, oh, they call it, oh, this is cute. They call it, first you make your commitment to clean sport. And oh, then, good. But it doesn't like everybody do that. Everybody. They do. But yeah. let me tell you the other okay. things because it gets better. Okay. Okay. They have a thing. This is cute. It's called whoabouts. Instead of whereabouts, you know, if you're, if you're in the testing pool, which I've been before, you have to tell your whereabouts, which is like, you have to put in everywhere you are all the time. It's a real pain in the arse in case they want to come test you. This is like whoabouts. So it's like your whole sports entourage, you have to declare. So like your coach, your doctor. So basically, so they can see your, your system and your network. And so if they start to figure out that one particular doctor or coach or whatever is associated with, like you can't be associated with the people who have been known to be unclean. So I thought that was a good, um, you have to, you have to tell Ironman now when you sign up who your team is, but I don't think it's just so they can like notify them. I don't think it's, I don't think they like do anything with that information. No, I don't think these guys did like they could, you can see how over time you might collect a pool in certain sports around and have Hmm. information about certain coaches or doctors or whatever. 
And then you do, you basically do like a deception test, like an ocular one. Okay. So it's like basically a lie detector test. And you put your eyes in this thing and you answer these questions and they, they start with easy questions, of course. And then it like basically tells you that. Okay. But like, wouldn't, okay. Lie detector tests make me really nervous. I'm actually, one of my biggest fears is being wrongfully convicted of a crime. And like, I would never take a lie detector test because I'd be like so nervous that it like would falsely accuse me. Yeah. I was worried about that too. Um, (laughs) but I still passed it anyway. (laughs) I think like, I feel like they probably have that into the system. I mean, these guys were pretty smart. I've heard them on the I am talk podcast before. They were like, these guys knew what they were doing and they're pretty smart. And then you do, you basically make like a declaration with penalty of perjury that you are clean. And so it's just a way, like you have to jump through all these hoops, but then you get this certification and you can put it on your social media. You could use it as part of your selling points to sponsors. I felt like it was a good counterpoint maybe to the anti-doping. Like you still have to test people, but I think having another thing for clean athletes to do, I thought that was a really good idea. And it hasn't really caught on though. Why? Like, where did it go? I don't know where they're at right now. So maybe I'll get a, maybe I can update okay. from those guys. Good. Update us next okay. week. Okay. Keep you posted. Okay. okay. So we did have a voicemail this week, but I guess your mom was having some technical difficulties. Yeah. So she sent me a video mail, video voicemail, which we're, we're, you might have to go to our social media to see how that goes. See when we get it from her. But we got another voicemail from a listener. Uh, about a highly, highly controversial topic on the podcast. I've been meaning to send this for pretty much forever and keep forgetting to do it. But from the very first time that Sarah said that she went to a workout at her box, I bust out laughing thinking of box as vagina because that's what a box is. It's a vagina. And so as I was looking for my voice memo app last night so that I could send in this voicemail, I looked over at my husband and I said, when you hear the word box, what is that slang for? And he looked right down at a crotch and said, yeah, vagina. So Kelly, I hate to break it to you, but it definitely is U.S. slang for vagina. Okay. So thank you to Jen for your thoughts on that. And after we got Jen's voicemail, I was inspired to create a new segment called, (laughs) called, what was it going to be called? I forget. Tales from the Box, I think. Tales from the Box. Okay. I am still not convinced, though, that this is a term. I'm sorry, guys. I've never heard this in my life. I've never even heard box used in passing and been like, oh, I don't know what they're saying. I have never heard it said anywhere, like out of anyone's mouth ever. Okay, that doesn't mean that it's not real, Kelly. (laughs) Right. So maybe it's the geography thing. Possibly. Possibly. Because Midwest, like I grew up Midwest. That's different, different like slang. Maybe it's an an old people thing. Like, let's be real. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how old Jen is. So we're going to have to take a poll, guys. We're going to have to take a poll about the age of the people who have heard of the slang term box. And where you live. And then we can determine if this is a real thing or not. And I realized I forgot, but we wanted to talk about how Iron Man is buying all kinds of stuff. After the break. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, 
com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So Iron Man is buying all kinds of stuff. Most recently along bike race. Well, so this week they it came out that they are in negotiations to buy Breck Epic, which is a six day pairs mountain bike race. Same like similar to Cape Epic, which is the big one in South Africa that like Ben Hoffman and Sebastian Keeley did this year. Is this ringing a bell? You're like, yeah, that sounds right. Um, yeah, it's ringing a bell only because Iron Man publicized it. Well, because apparently Iron Man owns Cape Epic, which I didn't realize until I realized that they were buying this other mountain bike race and they want to turn it into like a Kona qualifying type system where they're going to have mountain bike races that qualify you to Cape Epic. And then they also bought an ultra trail race, like the biggest one in the world, whatever, in Australia, like two weeks, a week ago, two weeks ago. So Iron Man is expanding into other sports. I mean, obviously they had already bought the rock and roll races, marathons, Mm -hmm. half marathons. Mm -hmm. But I'm very confused by this, Sarah, because I was under the impression that the Wanda Group, which owns Iron Man, was like selling off assets. Like they are. That's not like an impression. That is news, right? Right. They're selling off assets. They like are trying to like pay off debt. And it's been floated that they're going to put their sports arm, which is Iron Man. And then they also own like a Swiss company, whatever, up for an IPO and like spin it off. So I don't understand. I thought Iron Man was like conserving its cash, but now they're just like buying everything. Yeah, I guess the question is, can Iron Man be doing well while Wanda's doing badly? I I suppose that's technically possible. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, and then they'll just like IPO and spin off and become like their own thing. And then they'll own all the endurance events everywhere. All of them. I don't love a monopoly. I've always been a little unclear how Iron Man does not run afoul of U.S. antitrust laws. Mm. Um, Some people have like told me there's technical reasons they don't. um, You have to like actively be colluding to put your competitors out of business. Anyway, (laughs) any lawyers want to illuminate us on why Iron Man does not violate antitrust laws? I would love to hear it. For sure. Our podcast partner, Crave Jerky, is hosting a Find Your Fit contest from now through June 2018. All you have to do is post a selfie while working out. That should be easy for our listeners. And you could win $300 in gift cards from Flywheel, ClassPass, or Gaiam Yoga. And of course, Crave product. Use hashtag CraveBetter and hashtag SweepstatesEntry. One caveat, though, you must be a U.S. resident, 18 years or older, to enter. Also, hashtag LiveFeisty so we can see your entry, too. Details will be posted in the show notes for this podcast on LiveFeisty.com. So coming up on the show, female birth rates are declining in the U.S. Doping. Is everyone doing it? Do you want to try that again? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I had to scroll down so much because I had all these notes about clean protocol. Okay. Sorry, Aaron. Okay. <clears throat> Coming up. <laughs> <sighs>